Very good evening, everyone. Now, my voice today is a bit cracky because I have been preaching this whole week. Um, last weekend, we had a camp with First Assembly Epo, was in typing or preaching. You know, usually camp, you shout a lot, nah, huh? So my voice half gone already. Then uh, after we came back, I was having some meetings, and after the meetings last Thursday and Friday, I was in Kotabaru. They are Kotabaru because the time is a bit different from here. Their weekend is on Friday, so the servants is on Friday. I was preaching there as well. And thank God someone gave her life to Jesus. Even though I was not preaching about gospel per se, but God just worked. And um, yeah, so it was wonderful. And then I came back, and today I was teaching in class, so I've been using my voice nonstop. So forgive me if my voice is a bit cracky, but it sounds sexist now, I suppose. <laughs> right. Um, Today I'm going to talk about revealing Jesus. That's the topic that I'm giving to my message today. Um, there is always, we all know this, all of us are commissioned to preach the gospel. We all know the Matthew gospel. Jesus gave the last commission to the disciples. We have to go out and disciples all the people in the nations and bring them, baptize them, and teach them everything that God has commanded. We all know that, right? And every Christian, after you've gone through your new believers class, um, we, we should have some kind of some kind of understanding that, yes, I know, I need to reach out to my neighbours. But there is a tendency for us, uh, especially for, for us as teachers, when we teach our members to reach out to the neighbours, to our friends, to our families. And sometimes, this whole thing about evangelism has become like a formula. You know what's a formula? Um, our Christian formula is called the sinner's prayer. I'm not sure we know about sinner's prayer. And that is, you get someone to say the sinner's prayer, and that is the passport to heaven. It, it, it somehow, when we start doing that, it, it has become part of what we teach in our churches, um, part, we, part of what we do as well. And sometimes we go to hospital ministry, we don't care whether the person's sick or die. <laughs> we just want them to say the sinner's prayer, then you will go to heaven. If you don't say it, we don't know, cannot power. So you must say the sinner's prayer. So it has become something like a formula. And in fact, some, some of us Christians here, we have been Christian for some time, um, and we had a lot of message about evangelism. Um, usually the preacher will make you feel very bad. Like, if you don't preach the gospel, what are you going to say to Jesus when you meet Him? Right? When you see Jesus, Jesus died not for you only, you know? So it's wonderful for your friend. You know, when you meet Jesus in eternity, He's going to question you for life, eternally. Every day ask you, why you didn't share your gospel? Why you didn't share that gospel? So you get freaked out. Nah. Okay, okay, I better tell my friend about Jesus. So it becomes like a to-do list, you know. Oh, I make sure before I die, uh, I must share Jesus with share Jesus with someone. Uh, make sure I check this. So that when I see Jesus, I say, eh, eh, I got shared before. I have done it before. Not all the time, but at least once. So you cannot say I've not done it before. So evangelism somehow has become like a formula, has become like checklist for some of us here. But today, when I'm going to bring to you the Gospel of John, John's Gospel is my favourite Gospel. And the Apostle John wants us to see evangelism in a totally different light. Evangelism is not just getting people to say the sinner's prayer. Evangelism is not just doing certain works to help people to know Jesus. Of course, that's important. But it's not just about that. John wants us to see that evangelism 
ultimately came out of our relationship with God. If you do not have a close relationship with Jesus, there's no evangelism. Whatever you say is just empty words. It doesn't mean a single thing. And you are nothing different from the Pharisees. It's just telling people, you are sinful, you, you have all these things, now you get to repent. No. John wanted us to say evangelism based on our relationship with Christ. That's the basis of it. And then, how then we do evangelism is really based on how much Christ is in you. And as you develop that relationship with Christ, Jesus then is revealed through your life to others. Now, it sounds a bit abstract, but just hang on with me. Okay, today I'll be a bit mystical. Because when you read John, you can't help it. John is very mystical. It brings you very deep and use very confusing words. I'm going to confuse all of you first. Then later I'll bring clarity. Is that all right? <laughs> That's John's way, huh? So, I'm going to read a very long passage today. Okay, just to help us all to see. And this is at the end of Jesus' ministry. Before He went to the cross, He prayed a very long prayer. Unlike the prayer that Jesus prayed um, in Gethsemane, which is shorter, this is much longer. It's in John 17. If you have a Bible, turn with me to John 17. It's a very long passage, but it's okay to read long passage in the church, isn't it? Okay, it's, it's alright. Sometimes I get the impression, preachers must preach very short message. Uh, long passages, uh, do it at home. No, no, no. I think it's okay to read it in church. And why I want to read the whole passage? Because it's a whole prayer. And ultimately, when you read this prayer carefully, the whole prayer is to remind us that we need to reveal Jesus in our lives. Okay? So, it's a very long prayer. John 17, verse 1, all the way to verse 26. I'm reading from the New International Version. After Jesus said this, He looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted Him authority over all people, that He might give eternal life to all those you have, you have given Him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you have gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I come from you and they believe that you sent me. Verse 9, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. I, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has lost except the doom, the one doomed to destruction, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world, sanctifying them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Now, this is where it gets confusing. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to be with to me, given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory and the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. It's a very long passage, okay? Now, don't worry, I won't be preaching every single sentence of the passage. It will take a whole week. <laughs> uh, in fact, um, I've been teaching John's Gospel in our college, and um, sometimes students wonder, how can you say so many things out of few verses? Huh? Uh, that's the gift of a preacher and teacher, make something very simple, very complicated, right? Now, this is Jesus' prayer before He went up to the cross. Some, some people call it the priestly prayer because it's like the priests in the old days, before they offer up the sacrifice, they'll pray to God on behalf of the people. And here Jesus is praying to God the Father, not just for Himself, but also on behalf of His disciples, and as well as for those who will believe subsequently, including you and me. We believe through the message of the apostles, isn't it? So that prayer covers us. So if you read this prayer, there's basically three main sections that you need to take note of, okay? Verse 1 to 8, this is like Jesus giving accounts of His work to the Father. He's saying, Father, I've done everything you asked me to do. And the main thing is to reveal God the Father to the disciples. So, Jesus says that, I've done everything so that they know that you sent me and now they believe in that. And therefore, I've done my deal. So you can glorify me now. Now, in John's Gospel, whenever, when you, whenever you see the word glorify, don't be so happy, you know. Because the glory is not as what you thought the glory would be. Um, in John's Gospel, the glory of God is revealed through the cross itself. And it is through Jesus' complete submission, He died on the cross, and that is how John says, this is the glory of God in the best way to sin. God, Jesus, completely submitted to the will of the Father, and it's revealed on the cross, willingly. 
Okay? So it's a very powerful statement, but it's not easy to grasp. So Jesus say that in verse 1 to 8, give an account, I've done everything. Okay? So that settles it. Now verse 9 to 19 is the second part of the prayer. And this is where Jesus prayed for the disciples. And really, the disciples have been with Jesus. They have known a lot about the relationship between Jesus and the Father. But they have not completely known everything yet because Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. So nevertheless, Jesus has protected them and they stay close to Jesus all the time. And Jesus was praying for the disciples and asking God to keep them, make them holy. And it's interesting when you read this, this section that Jesus repeatedly saying, God, sanctify them. Sanctify them, keep them holy, protect them because the world will hate them because the world hated me after all. And I'm in them. So protect them, keep them. And the Bible, Jesus said, don't pluck them out of the world. They will be there in the world to reveal the knowledge of God, Jesus, to the people around them. But Jesus prayed that God keep them there, protect them from the evil ones. And then subsequently, the last section, 20 to 26, is where Jesus prayed for the rest of the believers, including you and me. Um, that Now, this is the hardest part to understand, which is what I want to focus today. That we may be one in Him. Now, it's very confusing. What do you mean by in one with Jesus? And when you read the last section here, the language can be a bit confusing, especially when Jesus says, uh, I'm in you, you are in me, uh, we are in them, they're in me, we are all one. So it's very confusing, right? Now it's going to uh, Chinese Ketupat Day, uh, Ketupat for Chinese Zhongjit. Uh. Funny, they call it Malay, they call it Ketupat China. No? Um, the, you know, you just wrap everything together, that's one meal, right? So Jesus is saying, we all come together, we become one. And then, through this oneness that we have in Jesus, and of course in the Father, and the Father and Jesus is in us, and it's all this oneness that the world will come to recognize the love of God. That's what Jesus prayed in the last section, right? The unity that may, they may be one with God, and through this unity that Jesus will continue make Himself known. It's funny, right? Jesus is about to leave the world already. How can He still make Himself known? Have you ever wondered that? Because Jesus is praying this and saying, I'm coming back to you and be glorified. Um, I'm going to pray for these disciples that is going to be joining us in the future. But I will continue to make myself known. Why? Because of that unity. Okay. So far, everybody is very confused now. Good. And that's where I'm going to help us to get clarity here. Now, this whole prayer... Basically, the main emphasis here is to remind us we all need to continue to reveal Jesus in our lives. But it is based on a very important premise, and that is the unity that we have with God. The unity that we have with God. Point number one, Jesus here reminds us that He calls us into that intimate relationship with Him. We are to be one with God. Now, if you read John's Gospel, this is what Jesus said. He said, whatever I see the Father does, I will do it. Whatever I see he, He's doing, I will do. And Jesus says, that's where I and the Father, we are one. If you see me, you see the Father. 
So John is helping us to see oneness is not blending together and become a, a what do you call it? ABC one two three, huh? all mixed up, messed up. No, we we remain as distinctive figures like Jesus and Jesus Father and Father. But how can you say when you see me, you see the Father? Because they are doing exactly the same thing. They are believing exactly the same thing. They are experiencing exactly the same thing. This is how John wants to see oneness is not uniformity. It's not. We don't become one just because we all wear the same shirt. We don't just become one just because we have the same name. No. We become one when we believe in the same thing. We become one when we do the same thing. We become one when we experience the same thing. That's what Jesus helped us to see here. And God wants us to join this relationship with Him. Jesus wants all of us, everyone who believes, for His disciples and for the future believers, to be one with God. In order to reveal Jesus to the world, we must first be one with God. The question for us now is, how we then be one with God? Very simple. Do you believe what Jesus believes in? Do you believe what Jesus believes in? What do Jesus believe in, you ask? Jesus believed that He is the Son of God. Jesus believed that He is the Messiah. Jesus believed that He is the same one. And Jesus believed in you. Jesus believed that you will do greater things than what He will do on earth. Jesus has faith in you. Do you believe in what Jesus believes in? That's the first thing we ask ourselves. To be one with God. We believe in what Jesus believes. Do you believe that? Secondly, do you do what Jesus does? Am I getting the grammar right? Jesus does right. Does right. My, my English is not very good. Now. Sorry, pardon me. I'm uh, Malay school. Orang bahasan. Do you do what Jesus does? You see, oftentimes we talk about evangelism. We, just, we do a lot of things, get people saved, but our lifestyle doesn't reflect it. To, to be... To be with Jesus, to be one with Jesus, is simply just do what Jesus does. Those days, they have this campaign called WWJD. Have you heard that before? WWJD. They have this band and everything, right? What would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do, right? Now, of course, that is if in the past, but nevertheless, I think the whole campaign simply helps us to remember this. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to do what Jesus does. What Jesus usually do? Read the gospel, you'll realize that Jesus spent a lot of time talking with non-believers. He spent a lot of time eating with sinners, dealing with the sick. Question for us, are we doing that today? Now, sad to say, I'm, I'm a president of Bible school. I've been a pastor for some years. I'm a third-generation Christian. I grew up in the church. And I realized many people in the church, eventually after becoming Christian for some years, they don't have non-Christian friends anymore. It's kind of sad. Jesus spent his whole life only have a group of followers. The rest of his friends are all drinkers, sinners, huh? womanizers, I suppose, right? People with funny, funny background, just spend time with them. Now, I'm not telling you to go out to the church tonight and then the next thing you end up in child care. I'm not asking you to do that. But I'm asking you, 
Think again. Are we doing what Jesus does? When people look at your life, what will they say? You only spend time with your church people. Lah. You only spend time in the church. Lah. Now, I'm not saying about you, I'm saying about myself. And that is the reality I'm facing now. I'm not spending enough time with the people in the world. That's why Jesus said, don't take them off the world. They have to be in the world. Because that's what Jesus does. He was in the world. He spent time with the people in the world, talking with them, eating with them, fellowshipping with them. Are you doing that? Are we bringing healing to the sick? Say, Pastor, I do not have the gift of healing. Hey, 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 you don't need to have the gift one. Being with the sick does not mean you have to heal the sick. Just spend time with them, talking with them. Jesus in the gospel keep reminding us, whatever you do to the least of this, you are doing it to me. Why keep telling us to do all these things? Because that's what Jesus will do. Just spend time with those who are outcasts. How many of us here spend time with the outcasts? I just came back not too long ago with a mission, a ministry team in our school. We just visited some of these, um, um, what do you call that? Uh, immigrant workers. They have children that can't even register in the formal school. They have no school. They can't even study. So where they go? They go to the madrasha. You know, those, you know, I cannot tell you so obvious. Lah, huh? Recorded men after I get jailed. <laughs> but you all know what I'm talking about, right? They have no way to go. And what is the role of the church? Are we just enjoying ourselves here? Our children are all well-educated, but think about those who are weak, those who are outcasts. What would Jesus do? Are we doing that? And not just that, we are supposed to experience what Jesus experienced. Now you may say, Pastor, are you going too far? I mean, Jesus died on the cross. Are we supposed to die on the cross? Well, remember what Paul says. Remember the word of Paul? He said, suffering is good for me so that I experience what Christ experienced on the cross. I get closer union with Christ. In other words, whatever Jesus experienced, we should also seek to experience as well. And that includes, that includes suffering. Oh. Now, of course, I'm not asking you to uh, bang your head to the wall and enjoy some suffering and say, oh, I have experienced what Jesus experienced. I'm not asking you to join some of those Filipinos, you know, they, they do very extreme things, start wearing crown of thorns and walk to Via Dorosa, their own Via Dorosa, and start crucifying themselves. I'm not asking you to do all these things. But what I'm trying to say here is that we be one with God, with Christ, is simply to experience what He experienced. And Jesus says very clear, if you have the truth in you, suffering bounds to happen. If you have the truth in you, and if you do what Jesus has been doing, you will definitely encounter problems in life. Can I be very honest with you? Sometimes we hear a lot of preachers say, you become Christians, your life will be smooth sailing, your life will be full of God's blessing. Of course, God's bless us. That's true in the Bible. But when you read New Testament, most of it talks about suffering. It's true. Why? Because when you are living in the light, when you are doing what Jesus does, 
people are not going to be happy with you. They're not going to be happy with you. They will talk behind your back. They will say things like, these people are all pretend one. They will mock you. They will laugh at you. Well, you are no greater than your master, isn't it? They have been doing that to Jesus all this while. And if you are a follower of Jesus, expect no less. That is what you mean by being one with Jesus. Oh, no sound deep. Jesus. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm a Pentecostal. I all, I'm all for asking the Holy Spirit to fill us and experience that spiritual experience, roll around, you know, uh, fall here and there. But being one with Jesus is more than those spiritual ecstasy. Cannot use the word ecstasy, huh? Ban in AG churches. But that is my critique for our own denomination. Sometimes we spend so much time talking about all this phenomena, but you look at the life of Jesus. It's really not about all those things. Those charism, those things are just natural outflow of what Spirit will do. But more importantly, is our life aligned with Jesus? To reveal Christ in our life, to reveal Jesus, we have to be at one with Jesus. That's the prayer. God wants us to be one with Him. God wants, God keep inviting you, come to me. You've got to stick with me. And to stick with Jesus, it's not just, Holy Spirit, come, fill me every day. Oh, speak in tongues, two hours, three hours, but do nothing about it. There's nothing about being with Jesus. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not saying anything against praying. I'm not saying anything against experiencing God. I'm all for it. In fact, Jesus, every morning, He will pray, spend time praying, experiencing the power from the Holy Spirit and all that is good. But we must not stop there. I remember some years ago, I came and preached here. That was the first time I preached here, I think. And the first message, I don't know why I still keep remembering that message. We must not stay in the mountain. We must come down and to go to where the people are. Too many of us are so, so enjoying the presence of God. We just stand there and hang and that jacuzzi or spiritual jacuzzi there. Oh, you got to come down to where people are. That is what being one with Christ means. To believe what He believed. To do what He do, does. And to experience what He experienced. Second point. Jesus then gave us the truth. In the prayer that Jesus said here, He has given us the truth, the revelation of God. Now, the gospel has shown us, Jesus revealed Himself to us through the whole incarnation process. You know what's incarnations, right? That is, the invisible God become visible now. Sounds good, huh? The invisible God become invisible. That's what incarnation is all about, right? Jesus was at one point, you cannot see Him because He was with the Father in the beginning. And then through the virgin birth, now He became human form. You can see Him. That is what incarnation is. And Jesus is trying to help us to see now that this un, you, the, the invisible part of God now is visible. That you can come to know God already. Now this truth of God, this revelation of God is already given to us. Jesus has already revealed to us. Now you may say, but then I have not seen Jesus. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. 
So how can I receive this truth today? Oh, you have your Bible with you, isn't it? The apostles who have witnessed Jesus wrote this down and passed it down to the future generation. So this truth about Jesus has now come to us through the Scripture. So all of us here, as long as you have the Word of God, you have the revealed truth of God given to you now. Okay? So no one of us, none of us here can then say, I do not know. All of us here, we have our Bible, isn't it? Do you have your Bible? You have your Bible, right? Nowadays, it's so easy. You can even download an app, right? You just use your phone. So all of us can get access to the divine truth of God. And Jesus gave us this truth. It's recorded in the Scripture. And not only that, you read other part of John's Gospel, God didn't leave us alone on our own. He sent the Holy Spirit into our lives and so that He can help to activate those truths that you have read in the Scripture and bring them alive in us. Now you may say, Pastor, where are you heading now? What has this got to do with revealing about God? Now, many of us here, sometimes when you say, hey, help your neighbours to know God, nah, you may say, Pastor, but I don't know. I don't know enough to tell. I always slap the fellas. What you say you don't know? You got the Bible with you. Uh. How can you say you do not know? So, but then, but, 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 I, I don't know how to speak the right way. I may say it wrongly. No. You don't have to necessarily be so careful with all these things. As long as you know, you have to have the relationship with God. And how do you have the relationship with God? You read Him in the Word. And the Holy Spirit will then bring that revelation to you. That's how you come close to God. See, all these things bring, bring us back to the square one, and that is the unity with God. Now, why, why is it so important that we stress about the truth that Jesus has left us behind, left us here in the Scripture? Because you want to make sure you unite with the right God, you know. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Some of you like, still don't get it yet. <laughs> because... There's so many teachings out there today, right? That tell us so many different things that claim to be Jesus, claim to be Christianity, claim to be from God. You got to be very careful with those teachings. The divine truth came to us 2,000 years ago through the incarnation and it's written down in the scripture. We do not have a video of Jesus. We do not have an MP3 of Jesus, all written down in words. The apostles have witnessed it, the church have bear witness to it, and now we have it in written form. And that is the only access, I would say, that we can get close to the divine truth. And of course, the Holy Spirit is at work with us, but the Holy Spirit is bringing us to understand the revealed truth, not something else. So, to reveal Jesus, therefore, you have no shortcut. You need to read your Bible. You need to know Jesus. Simple as that. To get into oneness with Christ, you need to know what Christ believes. You need to know what Christ does. You need to know what Christ experienced. And therefore, then you can be at one with Christ. It's just like, you know, those of you who are starting to date your girlfriend, Right? First year you are in dating, you know that little bit about your girlfriend. And then 
Sometimes you make mistakes, like me, la. buy the wrong gift, la. right? Say the wrong things, la. right? Things that you thought very important, actually not so important. La. Things that very important, you forget. La. We all went through it, la. because first year, ma, right? But as you continue to develop in that relationship, as you continue to communicate with your girlfriend, right? You tend to learn more things. And that's where, that's where people start to say, uh, Chinese say, You know what's Fu Chai Xiong? Oh, you look the same. Uh. You look like, oh, very gap. Uh. Uh, it's not because suddenly, you know, the spirit of your girlfriend come to your life. <laughs> because the more you know the person, the more you know what the person will, will do and not do and not like, right? The same with Jesus. You want to unite with Christ? You've got to know about Him. And all these things that you need to know about Him is already given in your Bible. So don't keep your Bible only in your phone as an app. Use it every day. Read about Him. Know more about God. You know, the ancient people before Christ came to the picture, they were longing for the day to see the Messiah, to know more about the Messiah. And here we are, given all these privileges, but yet we ignore them. Sad to say, right? So, we now have the revealed truth and therefore no excuse for us. All of us can come before God, unite with Him and because we know who God is now. The final point I want to say is this. As we read the scripture, as we read Jesus' prayer, we know that Jesus sent us into the world to continue that mission. Earlier on, I asked you the question, how come Jesus can continue His mission while He's, he's no longer here? What? He's now away, right? Now, the, the, the key is this. Jesus will still continue His mission to reveal God to the world through you and me. Because now, Jesus lives in us. How? Through the oneness again. When you are at one with Christ, you are doing whatever Jesus is doing. You believe what Jesus believed. You experience what Jesus experienced. And when people from the world see you, they see Christ. The revelation of God, Francis Epsis says, sometimes best revealed through action than words. Use words only when it's necessary. I am nothing against evangelistic methods. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should not convert your friend. You should not tell your friend to say something. I'm not against all those things. Please, don't get me wrong. What I'm trying to say here is this. Before you embark into all these different methods to share the gospel, get your relationship with Jesus fixed first. When you have a close relationship with Jesus, when you are united with Christ, and when you are sent into the world, people will be able to see Christ through you. And that's how we reveal Christ to the world. The world do not have a relationship with God. They are in darkness. They are against God. But you are different. You are redeemed. You have the truth in you at work in your life. How you handle pressure in your work. How you handle the criticism of people. 
how you show generosity, how you touch the lives around you. Those are the moments that you can reveal God to the world. I hope this is clear enough for us today. The prayer that Jesus prayed before He went to the cross is that we be united with Him. And through that unity, as we believe what Jesus believed, we do what Jesus does, we experience what Jesus experienced, the world will be able to see us and they will see Christ through us. So many times, I hear a lot of people complain about Christians. And they say, oh, you're Christians that only know how to convert people. Lah. Sometimes we hear them, we didn't take them into hearts. But today, I think we all need to be, we need to wake up from this. You cannot just tell people to believe in Jesus, but we live a life that is totally non-Christ-likeness. There's no, not, no part of us that show the love of Christ to the world. So before we go into even talk about Jesus with our neighbor, work out our relationship with Christ. Unite yourself with Him. That is the invitation Jesus gave to the disciple and to us as well. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me. Prayer of Jesus want all of us here to be with God. And it is through that relationship then we become the hands and feet of Jesus. That is through you and I, Jesus will continue His mission. And Jesus will continue to reveal Himself to the world through you and I who are united with Him. Let's pray. Let's spend some time responding to the Word of God.